welcome to the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where you can learn to avoid the downs and savor the ups. Here, 40-year veteran attorney Paul Samico will entertain you and help you understand the law in areas we might all face. Brushes with the police? Oh boy. Family disputes? Oh no. An injury and accident situations? Ouch. And now, here's Paul. Hello there. Hello. And thank you for tuning in to this Wednesday edition, the Wrongdoer Wednesday edition of the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where I ask you to always avoid the downs and savor the ups. I am your host. My name is Paul Samico. I am an attorney, and I have a show today which all of you have heard things about during your lifetime, and it's very important that you hear them again today. This is because the concept is pervasive, it's problematic, it's deadly, and it can affect you and your mom and your dad and your spouse and your kids and your butcher and your pastor and everybody you know. So don't go, oh boy, I don't want to hear this again. Please listen in and keep listening and do what you can to help this pervasive national problem of drunk driving. Yes, that's right. Drunk driving. It is a crime. It is deadly. People get hurt. People get killed. Don't ignore it. As a lawyer, I want to share with you what I do when I represent a client who has been involved in an automobile accident where the other driver was driving while intoxicated, driving while drunk. I represent the client. I represent the client in order to try to obtain compensation for the client as a result of the client's injuries. But in these cases where there's a drunk driver, I'm no longer concerned about the compensation for the injuries. I'm concerned about pointing out to the court that the at-fault party, the driver who was intoxicated, made a choice and therefore additional compensation in Virginia, it's called punitive damages, should be allowed. And even in the other jurisdiction where I practice in Maryland, courts and judges don't like drunk drivers. So even though there is no statutory or legal basis to get extra money, punitive damages, when they are made aware that the driver who caused the accident was drunk, believe you me, they're giving more money. I want to stress again, I don't care who you are and what lame excuse you might want to provide if you've been caught driving while intoxicated, you made a choice. This was not, I didn't think that I was that bad uh, or I had to get home and there was nobody else. Bull Twinkies and baloney. Getting into a car while you have consumed alcohol previously is a choice. And if you turn that key, if you begin to drive, you've made a bad choice, a horrible choice. 
if you know you're going out and that you're going to be drinking, do one of two things. Don't drive to wherever that place is to begin with. Make arrangements for somebody else to drive you home or make arrangements for a taxi or an Uber or a Lyft or make arrangements to stay where you are, where you had been drinking. Folks, my friends, this is a continuing pervasive problem in our country. It has not gotten significantly better. Let me give you some statistics. Every two minutes, someone is injured in a drunk driving crash in the United States. Every 51 minutes, someone is killed. Drunk driving is still the number one cause of death on our roadways across this great country of ours. 4,300 people are killed each year due to teen alcohol use. That's right, teenagers. More than all other drugs combined. Six times, youth who start drinking before the age of 15 are six times more likely to develop alcohol dependence or abuse later in life. Are you a parent? Okay, tough love, folks. Put the clamps down. Do not let your kids drink, period. Number one, car crashes are the leading cause of death in teenagers. That's very frightening to me. I have daughters. They're no longer teenagers. They're young, beautiful uh, women responsible in what they do, I would have, I, I can't even imagine what my life would be like if their lives had been taken in their teens. I'm going to share some reflections of some parents where exactly that happened uh, in the second half, but I want to talk about a case. This is a case in Utah. Here was a man with four drunk driving arrests he had been sentenced to prison for causing a fatal crash in the year 2016 while driving drunk uh, to a mountain casino. Timothy Merritt, at the time age 57 years old, was sentenced to 24 years in prison by a district court judge in April of the year 2018. After a jury trial in September uh, of the year following the collision, uh, the gentleman Merritt was convicted of second-degree murder and assault for causing a head-on collision that killed the other driver and severely injured a passenger. He was driving in the wrong lane, and he had a blood alcohol content of 0.23, uh, perhaps as much as 0.25. So this is a good time before I continue with this case about Mr. Merritt, the drunk, to explain, and just in case you don't know, what blood alcohol content means, what it is. A very, very simple explanation is that simply, if your blood has no alcohol in it, there's, there's a test that can be taken, a breathalyzer or an actual blood test. They do a draw. Your blood, again, with no alcohol, it will register 0.00. .00. When alcohol mixes with your blood, the readings then provide a percentage of that alcohol in your blood content. So you may certainly be aware that across the United States, if 8% 
of your blood contains alcohol and you're driving with that percentage, you have now committed a crime called drunk driving. <clears throat> In some places, it's called driving while intoxicated. In others, it's called driving under the influence. So we have the initials DWI or DUI. When you get to a level of 23% or 25%, as in the case of Mr. Merritt here, folks, most people, they would pass out at that level. That's absolutely a, a, just a ridiculous amount of blood um, that has alcohol in it. <coughs> Excuse me, I had to cough. Mr. Merritt killed Cecil Vigil and severely injured Cecil's wife, Sally. Now, here's the thing. Merritt had been arrested for DUI three times before this fatal crash. Three months after the fatal crash, he was again arrested for driving drunk, narrowly avoiding causing another crash. Here's the United States attorney who was the prosecutor. I hope with all my heart that this conviction and sentence brings some relief to the deep suffering Merritt caused his, victim, his victims and their family. Our prosecutors and FBI agents worked tirelessly on this case for that sole purpose. Well, that's real nice, Mr. Prosecutor. And I think on some level, you know, the victims' families want closure, they want punishment, but clearly it never brings them solace and it never brings back the, the loved ones who died because someone decided to get in a car and drive while intoxicated. Merritt's sentence also included five years of supervised release with the special conditions of participating in a cognitive behavioral treatment program and a substance abuse program. I had mentioned in this case that he had been convicted three times before the fatal crash. Between the years of 2005 and 2016, he did in fact have three DWI convictions, including one in Arizona where he drove in the wrong lane, believe this, toward an, uh, toward an oncoming police officer. After the fatal crash in, in Colorado, on uh, on this case, uh, again he was arrested in D, uh, for a DUI in Arizona. This this is just an, a moron, an idiot, a nut job. Doesn't get it. You know what? Uh, happy that this guy was sentenced to 24 years in prison. He just didn't understand the consequences of his actions, or if he did, he just simply didn't care. I hope he rots in prison. Well, one more case I want to talk about, and this is local to where I live. This is in a place called Alney, Maryland, a drunk driver whose uh, crash killed three friends uh, also violated parole by drinking and driving. So here we have uh, a young guy convicted of killing three friends in 2011 a drunk driving wreck uh, where he ended up being sentenced to seven years in prison for violating parole by repeatedly drinking and driving. Okay, here's the prosecutor in this case. This is a young man 
that took the lives of three people in a traffic accident, but did time in prison for years, came out and returned basically in every way he possibly could to the same kind of conduct that led to those three people earlier. This was about public protection, the sentencing hearing, who uh, the prosecutor says uh, it also shows that the ignition interlock devices work. So if you're not familiar with that, these are devices that are put on cars so that they can detect the alcohol in your breath. And if it exceeds a certain level, the car won't start. This is a very common uh, device used for individuals who have been convicted of drunk driving to assure that they won't do it again. At a certain point, the uh, devices are released a year later, two years later, three years later, whatever the, the judge sentences it. So for some period, uh, this kid wasn't able to, to go out and drive drunk. But when the device was removed from the car, boom, he's back doing it again. The young man was found guilty on three counts of manslaughter and for leaving the scene of an early morning fatal crash in the year 2011, in May. The crash claimed the lives of three Magruder High School students, uh, Haley McGuire, Johnny Hoover, and Spencer Dat. One more survived. All of them had been at a party, small group, and they were drinking. Montgomery uh, County Police, the local police, say that the driver, his last name was Coffey, uh, was also speeding at the time of the accident. His Toyota Corolla went off the road and crashed into a wooded area. The police say that they used canines to track him after he left the scene. He was discovered hours later with a blood alcohol content twice the legal limit. That, so that would have been a 0.16 or 16%. Now, what you may or may not understand Hours later, that means that by the time they caught him, his blood alcohol content was less than what it would have been hours earlier when he was actually operating the car because the alcohol dissipates over time. So if two hours later he was 16%, the likelihood is that when he was driving, he was in the 20s. On January uh, 5th of the year 2012, the Montgomery County State's Attorney's Office says that Coffey, uh, Coffey, the driver, after a long and emotional sentencing, sentencing hearing, excuse me, uh, before a packed audience, was sentenced to serve 20 years in prison. That's appropriate. He kills three people and one more uh, ends up, uh, you know, almost uh, almost dead but survived. Folks, please don't drink and drive. You've heard that a million times, but look what happens. Look at the devastation because you made a bad, no, you made an extraordinarily horrible decision to get into a car after having been drinking alcohol. I'm going to come back after the break and give you one more story and give you some more information. Don't go away.
Okie dokie then. So allow me just for a moment here, please. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie. All right, I'm going to stop singing and spare all of you. There's a restaurant in Missouri. You ever been to Missouri? Called Lambert's Cafe. And it's known for literally throwing bread rolls across the room to the tables. Hey, Joe, you got a roll of bread for me? Sure, here you go, catch. Well, one server accidentally hits a woman in the eye, and she sues him for $25,000. Yeah, she lost. That's amore. Okay, it's break time here on the merry-go-round. We want to give you value. So, do you need an attorney for an injury case or a criminal matter or something involving family law? Mr. Samico has the answer for you. Go to our podcast website, www.thelegalmerrygoround.com. Again, that's thelegalmerrygoround.com and click on the referrals tab. Then, either fill out the form or call the telephone number where you can leave a detailed message that Mr. Samico will pick up, and you'll get a response with a referral to an excellent attorney in your area within eight business hours. And the referral is free, no charge to you for this referral. So again, if you're looking for a lawyer that meets the highest standards, Paul is going to hook you up. And every attorney he refers to meets the highest standards, and Paul has checked them out for you. If you like what you're hearing from him during these shows, you know he's going to take care of you. So go to thelegalmerrygoround.com. And now, back to the show. Okay, then we're back. This is the second half of Wrongdoer Wednesdays here on the Legal Merry Go Round, and I am your host, Paul Samico, an attorney who is going to get up on the high horse and talk about not driving while intoxicated. Yes, it's a dangerous thing to do. I am all for people enjoying themselves. I'm all for having a little glass of wine or a beer here and there and now and again in a social environment. But if you've been doing that, folks, please let somebody else drive after you've done that. It can be very dangerous. It can be very costly. And it can be very deadly. So here on the legal merry-go-round, avoid the downs and savor the ups. What does that mean? Avoid the alcohol and don't drive if you do. I told you two stories, two real cases right before the break, and I want to share one more because this is just so important. I want you to understand the potential devastation that's caused by these horrible, horrible situations. In this case, a teen driver in a fatal alcohol-related crash, was sentenced to 18 months in jail. Uh, But the 18 months was actually the only part he had to serve. For some reason, the judge decided to let him out early. He was actually given a sentence of eight years, and the judge suspended all but 18 months. In this case, the teen driver 
in an alcohol-related crash claimed the life of a student from Sherwood High School right here in our backyard where I live uh, in Montgomery County, Maryland. And this crash left another uh, individual severely injured. Um, the drunk driver, young man, uh, Austin Hall, uh, lost control while driving 119 miles an hour on a Labor Day weekend in the year 2014 in a residential area of Olney, Maryland, where the speed limit was 35 miles. He was driving 119 in a 35-mile-an-hour area. He had left an underage drinking party less than a mile away, and he was driving a Chrysler convertible. It went off the road, hit a tree, and a light pole. Uh, Sean, age 15, in his car was ejected and later died of his injuries. Max, uh, age 17 at the time, was hospitalized for months. So Hall pleaded guilty to a charge of vehicular manslaughter in the death and a charge of causing a life-threatening injury while driving impaired by alcohol uh, in connection with uh, the other young man's injuries. Hall's lawyer uh, said at the time that the teenager wanted to take responsibility for his actions. Well, that's good. Prosecutors said in court papers that Hall was heavily intoxicated with a blood alcohol of 0.11, 11%, which exceeds the 0.08 or the 8% limit uh, even for adult drivers when he was tested more than two and a half hours after the crash. So again, if you recall what I said during the first half of the show, uh, two and a half hours later, he's tested. That means that at the time of the collision, two and a half hours before, his blood alcohol content was certainly a lot higher than 11%. It might have been as much as 18 or 19% because of the dissipation of the alcohol in the bloodstream during that two and a half hour period. The judge in the case described Hall's actions as reckless and outrageous behavior fueled by alcohol at an unsupervised party. The losses are enormous and they're palpable. Well, okay, yeah, that's right, judge, exactly. Folks, are your parent are, are, are your kids at an unsupervised party? Not a great idea. Teenagers are stupid, okay? I mean, they just are. They go out with their friends and and they start drinking. So mom and dad, you got to watch out for that. Sean's father, Rick, beside her uh, in the courtroom, said that the couple have nightmares thinking about their son being ejected more than 100 feet from the crash site and not being noticed at first because he was so far away. Her voice broke. Every day, we wake up and realize that our Sean is gone, she says describing reminders that trigger waves of grief. The sight of another lacrosse player, Sean's bedroom, the school where he where she works, and he attended classes as a child. I don't feel right going out and doing normal things because it seems so wrong that our Sean can't. At work, she says she keeps a walkie-talkie nearby to call for help in case she has a panic attack while teaching. Her husband, a teacher at another high school in the area, drives home from his job past the cemetery where their son is buried. 
He works with teenagers and sees them growing up, being reminded at all times that their child, Sean, will always be 15. Sean's never going to get to drive a car, graduate high school, go to prom, or go to college. Allison Gangloff said her son was not intoxicated or impaired the night of the crash. He simply chose the wrong person to get a ride home from. Dector, who was given a low chance of survival immediately after the crash, also spoke at the sentencing hearing before the court, saying he's now going to pay for the rest of his life for his decision to climb into a car with a driver who had been drinking. Dector said he spent six months in hospitals struggling to relearn simple things such as speaking, walking, and eating. Basically everything, he says. I will never have the use of my right arm, he says. I have no idea what extent my brain injury will be. I paid with the life of a good friend. Some folks in the courtroom uh, were, were openly crying as the Gangloff family spoke. Hall's parents spoke to the victims in the court, uh, his father describing his son's remorse. I can't imagine what it would be like to have that happen to my child, much less a family member, much less even someone that I know, a friend of mine. It's just, it's just such a waste. It's such an unnecessary process of tragedy on our roadways when people decide to get into the car and drive after they've been drinking. One of the things that can prevent some of the injury and some of the death is making a decision about who you get into a car with. If you have any suspicion that they have been drinking, don't get in the car. Go get another way to go wherever it is that you're going. I want to share with you a few more statistics because, I, I again, I think all of us have heard this over and over and over again, and the pounding of the statistics just seem like, you know, we ignore them, and and we can't. These are real things, my friends. How many people died from drunk driving just a few years back in 2018? According to the National Highway Traf uh, Traffic and Safety Administration, 10,511 people died in alcohol-related accidents in 2018. In the same year, the FBI estimates that over 1 million drivers were arrested for driving under the influence of alcohol. What's the percentage of drunk driving? Another study, 28% of all motor vehicle traffic fatalities were related to alcohol-impaired driving. You've heard of the group Mothers Against Drunk Driving. They keep their own statistics. According to them, people drive drunk more than 300,000 times a day. Does that just knock your socks off? 300,000 times every single day there is a drunk driver on the road. 300,000 drunk drivers on the road every single day. Okay, now you ready for this one? Only about 1% of them are arrested. Well, I guess that's simply because, you know, either nothing happened or, you know, their driving behavior just was missed. Here's one. This just, again, just blows my mind. The average drunk driver, the average drunk driver 
has driven drunk over 80 times before their first arrest. Swallow that. Think about that for a minute. This wasn't just the first time that this moron did this. 80 times is the average before he or she is arrested. I want to close the show with a couple of thoughts. You know, besides the human devastation, besides the the criminal penalties, let me just share something with you. How does a drunk driving ticket impact your car insurance rates? Getting a drunk driving conviction is one of the most costly mistakes that a driver can make. After comparing millions of rates, there's an organization called the Zebra. Uh, They found that a DUI violation can increase your rates by 71%. Okay, what does that mean in dollars? That could mean more than $1,000 a month, a month in insurance premiums. So moving forward, whenever you search for car insurance, you're going to need to file a form. In most places, it's called an SR-22, an additional certification that states your insurance policy meets your state's minimum car insurance requirements. It's normally a requirement to have a suspension lifted from your license due to a violation like a DWI, but that's just your insurance. You can lose your license. Clearly face jail time. You heard the stories that I've told here today. And legal fees. What do you think lawyers charge? You know, in most jurisdictions, a drunk driving first offense, a lawyer can charge anywhere from 1000 to 2000 maybe as much as $2,500. What if you've got multiple offenses? It's not unusual to see lawyers' fees go from five to $10,000 for third, fourth, or fifth offenses. It's expensive. I mean, forget all the devastation and the human carnage. On a much more personal level, again, if you drink and drive, someone can lose a loved one. I want to close by giving you 15 ideas. 15. I'm going to go through them quickly. How to spot a drunk driver. I'm not suggesting that you take the law into your own hands or put yourself in danger. But your vigilance uh, can help keep the roadways safe. If you see something like this um, and you hands-free telephone, call the police, call the emergency and tell them, hey, you know, on road on road XYZ or on here or there, wherever it is that you're seeing it, I'm spotting a, uh, a yellow car. Uh, it's a Toyota. You know, give them a description. Give them a license plate as you can and tell them that you believe that the driver may be intoxicated and is driving. Here are the 15 signs. You notice another driver, number one, quick acceleration or deceleration. Number two, tailgating. Number three, weaving or zigzagging across the road. That could be a drunk driver. Number four, driving anywhere other than on a road designated for vehicles. Number five, almost striking an object, a curb or a vehicle. Number six, sign of a drunk driver. Number six, stopping without cause or erratic braking. Number seven, drifting in and out of traffic lanes. Number eight, signaling that's inconsistent with driving actions. 
Don't you hate that? Even with uh, drivers who are not drunk, they just leave that turn signal on and it's like, all right, man, you've been in this lane for over a minute and a half. Turn off the signal. Okay, number nine, slow response to traffic signals or sudden stop or delayed start. Number 10, signs of a potential drunk driver straddling the center lane marker. Number 11, driving with headlights off at night. Number 12, a clear sign of potential drunk driving is swerving. Number 13, driving slower than 10 miles per hour below the speed limit. Case uh, in point, number 14, turning abruptly or illegally. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that. Number 15, last one, potential sign of drunk driving, driving into opposing traffic on the wrong side of the road. Goodness gracious, potential cause of a head-on collision and maybe instant death for the other driver or the drunk him or herself. Again, I don't I don't come on to this podcast. I don't do this to preach, but I do have very strong opinions about this because as an attorney, I have had countless numbers of clients come to me looking to help obtain compensation for them because they were involved in an automobile collision that involved the at-fault driver driving while intoxicated. It's so, so pointless. And it's one of the things that could be eradicated just by a decision of those getting into a car not to do so if they've been drinking and planning not to get into the car because they know they're going to go out and drink. Okay, enough preaching. I hope it never happens to you. I hope you don't ever even think of that type of behavior. Best wishes to you. Thank you for giving me your ear today. Hope you tune in on Friday to the next show. We call it Fender Bender Fridays, where I'm going to talk about injury and compensation type cases. Avoid the downs and savor the ups. This has been Paul Samico, your host on the Legal Merry-Go-Round. Thanks for listening to the Legal Merry-Go-Round. We hope you enjoyed our show. Tune in next time to get a better understanding of real-life legal situations.